Welcome back to, what's this, episode 11, episode 11 of the Just Effin' Send It podcast. This is David Baker, as per usual. Um, yeah, tonight I don't have any notes at all because I feel like this is a conversation I've had with countless people, and it, I don't really feel it. I almost have the damn thing rehearsed because I've, I've gone over this subject with so many people so many different times. Um, before we get to that, let's just go over a few other little news tidbits. Um, yeah, I want to like drop the people's elbow off the top rope on my four-year-old. He is, with this quarantine shit, he has... It's driven me and his mother, me and my wife, up the fucking wall. He is four years old. He'll be five in August, and he thinks he's 40. And the Bama knows everything. He, he thinks he knows everything. And everything is a fight. Like, I'm talking, you would think I'm asking him to go repave the driveway. Whenever I tell him to do something or tell him to stop doing something, it is a constant fight. And like, I see how people beat their kids. How I see how good parents can lose their shit. I mean, I haven't, and I, I hope I have, <laughs> I hope I don't, but I see now see how it happens. And he's got a smart ass little attitude and mouth. Damn it. He's got a fucking mouth. Now, when I say he's got a mouth, he doesn't like use profanity. Because I don't, as dirty as my mouth is, I don't use profanity in front of them. I just don't think it's, you know, yeah, it's funny when it's someone else's kid. But when it's your kid who's in public and, you know, drops an F-bomb and they're four years old. Yeah, like I said, it's cute when it's someone else's kid. But when it's yours, it's like my wife would be absolutely mortified if that ever happened. But, uh, no, he's just, he's a smart-ass little motherfucker. And... I have, it's everything within my body to not cuss this little motherfucker out and like lock him out of my house. I told him tonight that I was going to go lock him in Major's Kennel and him and he could sleep in, in Major's Kennel. Uh, and he liked the idea. I mean, what do you do? I almost said, all right, motherfucker, all right, let's do it. Go, go outside and lock him out. But uh, I ain't doing all that. Of course, the wife wouldn't. The wife frowned upon that idea, um, but yeah, it's just driving me up the fucking wall, son. Like I cannot wait to get back to work. I can't wait for this little motherfucker to go back to school because I'm ready to miss him again. And like I have half the mind to take him to my wife's parents' house and open the door while still rolling. You know, only about five mile an hour. Telling him to tuck and roll and throw him out and then throw all of his shit out the window and then haul ass two hours back here to our house. Um, I'm enjoying a nice, another nice uh, Mother Earth long weekend IPA. Oh, it's just delicious. But, um, Jesus Christ, I'm just ready for this shit to be over with. And I posted a video. 
in my uh, the Just F and Senate podcast Facebook group. And if you're not a member yet, you can search it as an open public group. Anybody can approve anybody. Invite some friends, but you know, search it. And if I haven't invited you, then you can just search it and find it. Um, it's spelled just like my like the the podcast is, so shouldn't be too hard to find it. But um, yeah, it's been uh, I posted I posted a video in there and uh about a, a doctor about this coronavirus shit and and his opinions and how Dr. Fauci is like public enemy number one and how he is completely giving his recommendations based on where he's been for so long, like being in Washington, like he's been the top dog as far as this type situation goes through like three or four administrations. And he does not have the country's nor the president's best interest in mind. And he talks about how, I mean, this dude's got a PhD from MIT. He's, I mean, he's a, he's an MD, uh, Indian dude. Um, really good. Uh, just go there and find it. Look through. There's only a few posts since then. Look there and find it and watch it yourself. It's like 16 minutes, but it's really good shit. Um, he's on like some news interview thing, but, uh, yeah, China's got to pay. My opinion is China has to, well, it ain't what China has to, it's what we do. I, if I was president of the United States, excuse me, I would tell Trump, excuse me, I would tell Xi Jinping, all that debt that we got with you guys, sorry, motherfucker, that is your payment for what the havoc you have wreaked upon this country, its economy, and the rest of the world in its economy. So eat shit, go get fucked. And I hope every other country that has that you hold debt from, I hope they do the same thing. And I hope you go bankrupt, you communist piece of shit. It's exactly what I would say. No, no, I would like literally do a I would address the nation on a worldwide stage and, and look straight in the camera and talk directly to Xi Jinping. I pull my dick out and lay it right there on the table, and I'd say, "This is what's going down. You can suck this thing, and you can suck that debt because we ain't paying shit. And the rest of the world, I, I mean, in any other circumstance, yeah, our uh, like credit rating with the rest of the world I, would would be hurt. But considering the rest of the world also knows that more shit every day is coming out proving that." Well, A, they've been lying the whole time, and B, not only were they lying, but they were hiding shit. So that's that's the way I look at it. Uh, no, you know, I would no matter who's president, that's what I would hope they do. So it, I don't know. We're just in between a rock and a hard place right now. But China has to pay, and I don't foresee that communist regime saying, "Oh, our bad," and then here's you know, ten trillion dollars for the world and divvying it up it, it's just not happening and that's the only way they're going to pay and that's exactly what i would do all right uh what other news uh dasher stuff dasher doing good load is good uh 31.8 grains of varget um 
40 foul off the lands with a 105 burger is giving me 2930 on the button sd of like four or an extreme spread of eight over like 10 shots um the groups are shooting and i've got multiple groups in the point twos and um that's good and a shot to this afternoon right as the sun was going down which i'm not making excuses i think it would have been even better but my the the back of my house faces west and the sun was literally i had to position myself and my rifle so i could even see my target at 511 um because the sun was glaring directly into my objective lens and so it was really of course the target shaded because it's up against the tree line but also uh like i saying, the sun was right in my eyes and I still managed to squeak out a .34 MOA group at 511 yards. So as long as it doesn't throw weird flyers at distance, then I'm fine with that. That's what I'll go with. I like that slower node. Uh, I'm not going to worry about pressure. Um, you know, everything should be good. And that and look, that's with probably shitty neck tension too because – this is with hydroformed um, Lapua brass that I, it still maintains Lapua's like stupid neck tension that they have on virgin brass. I didn't run it through a mandrel. That is literally prime powder charge bullet seated. And I can only imagine, you know, with correct neck tension that it would be, it's going to end up being a lot better. Um, and so that would be great. Um but yeah, once I, I I'm gonna get some some of the actual one-time fired brass, um, and 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 loaded up. I, I don't foresee there being any problems as far as throwing weird flyers, so I should be good. And I'm sending four pieces of fired brass to Josh Coons, um, and he is going to cut my other dasher barrel for my AI. I'm gonna do a complete. The only thing difference between the barrel I have on my Hancock and the barrel that is going to be on my AI is my Hancock barrel is a seven and a half twist and the AI barrel is going to be a seven twist, but it's still going to be a cut rifle rock Creek, 27 inches. And my goal is, and so I'm sending him my brass cause I want him to set my headspace via that brass so that literally to the thousandth, brass coming out of one barrel is going to match coming out of the other they can be interchanged if i feel like shooting if i want to shoot dasher and i've, and I've got the ammo loaded up my goal is to be able to shoot the ammo the exact same or at least close to it i don't care if there's a few feet per second difference as long as it shoots the same load just as well maybe faster or slower doesn't matter to me i can just change that in my kestrel my speed but I want to be able to interchangeably shoot the ammo in either rifle and then the brass uh, stays the same. So it's with my reamer, um, me, Jeff and CL, we went in and bought a six Creedmoor reamer and a Dasher reamer. And our names are engraved on it. This barrel was cut with it. It was actually the first barrel cut with it. So um, the AI barrel will be the second Dasher barrel cut with it. Um, there's no, no secret weird dimensions or anything. It's the same exact reamer spec as 
all the other uh, reamers Josh uses, but with me, Jeff, and CL, you know, using it, it'll be, you know, the same. It'll be hours. It'll last longer. We're not going to worry about a reamer being the near end of its life and it may be causing something different than if, you know, the next barrel is cut on a brand new reamer. It's going to be, you know, it's, it's ours. So we're going to do, we're going to, we're going to do that. So we, we all have six Creed Moors and we all have six Dashers and all for the same reason. None of us are loading six Creed more. We shoot factory six cream more when we don't feel like loading, and then you know we shoot the dashers when we do. So that's the that's the plan. Um, that's uh yeah that's about it as far as stuff like that. So to get to the nuts and bolts of the podcast, obviously you can tell by the name of the podcast of what it's about. Um, so you think you want a working dog, or you think you want a protection dog? Now. You, this, this pod, the reason why I'm doing this podcast is because on the sniper's hide, I get messages all the time, but on the sniper's hide about once every two months, maybe, maybe three months, there will be a thread pops up. Somebody decides that they need or feels the need for a working dog. Well, they, they, a protection dog, I should say. Okay. They're all, the dogs that we're talking about tonight, they're all working dogs because that's their, that, that's where they come from. They come from working dog lines. Um, at least they should at least. Um, but so we'll just, for the sake of the subject, what we're talking about, we're going to stick with protection dogs, guard dogs. The, the good thing is, or the thing is there's actually a difference. Um, this whole world, this whole subject of dogs, um, it is a lot of it is there's is a little bit you can parallel it with precision rifle, where you'll have one instructor who has this one way of thinking where he thinks you should shoot this way and the reasons why, and then you go to take another class from someone else and they're going to say something different and they're going to say that you should do it this way because it's not not just because it's their way but because well it works for them and i mean it is their way well the other guy seems to think that his way works as well so it's the same way but even more so in the working dog world simply because one of the biggest factors is because dogs can't talk right if your dog can talk please i would love to meet your dog um but dogs can't talk so Literally everything as far as feedback goes at the end of the day is all left to the the human's interpretation, right? That's the way it is. It's uh turn the gain up a little bit, maybe if it sounds a little there we go. Um it's it's all left up to interpretation. So you you just have to keep that in mind throughout this entire conversation. So and so what I'm going to tell you is what is my experience of what I've interpreted and also the experience given, or I should say the knowledge passed to me from people of whom that whose opinions and knowledge that I trust. So the equivalent of this would be the equivalent of me going over the fundamentals of marksmanship with you 
because I, well, A, have found it to be true, but B, have learned it from, let's say, a, a Frank Galley or a Jacob Bynum or a Phil Vallejo or a Kalen Wojcik or, a, you know, Jake Vibbert. If whatever, so, that, so that's where this is coming from. So this is coming from things that I have found to be true and that I've also found from and learned from the Frank Galleys of the working dog world, right? So just know that going into this. And I, if there were 25 trainers um, listening to this podcast, there's a good chance that a lot of them would disagree with me. And that's like the whole saying goes, the only thing that three dog, that two dog trainers can agree on is that the third guy's doing it wrong. Right. That's rings completely true in the working dog world. Um, the working dog world is a dirty business as well. It is next to horse trading is what I always tell people. A lot of people sell snake oil because if you, the average, you know, precision rifle person who doesn't know jack shit about working dogs comes to me, man, I could tell you all kind of shit and you wouldn't know to question me or wouldn't know what, what to question of what I'm saying. And a lot of people in the working dog world count on that. They won't, they're always looking for the next sucker. Um, not as, not as much with training is more so than it is with selling a dog. Um, I could tell you this dog here is the, is a man eater. He's a killer. He's a whatever he can, you know, bulletproof as well and all this shit. And you don't know the difference. You wouldn't know what to look for. So that's why I always give people advice that I'll get into here in a minute. But so the threads that come up on sniper's hot all the time is someone who feels that they need a working dog. Okay. And 90 95% of the time. That person who started the thread has zero experience or knowledge, prior knowledge of working dogs and what having, owning, training, and living with a working dog entails. They don't know. And that's no one's fault. That's not a knock on them. I mean, shit, there was a time that I didn't know, obviously. There's a time that Jacob Bynum didn't know anything about pulling a damn trigger, but look where he is now, right? So that's not a knock on anybody. What I will knock on is people who, who I have forgotten more about working dogs than they know chiming in a lot of times and giving absolutely horrendous advice when that's not what they're trying to do, but they also don't realize that they're speaking from a place of complete ignorance and it's i don't it's not malicious they're not maliciously doing it but they they don't know what they don't know they don't know what they do know um and that's that's the scary part and that's kind of one of the reasons why i'm doing this podcast so a thread comes up all the time once every month or two months or three months and the thing ends up being five pages long and eventually somebody uh, ends up tagging me in it, said, why don't you talk to Black Wolf Canine? That's kind of his shtick. And 90% of the time I tell them, 
you don't need a working dog. You don't want a working dog. You you like the idea. You want and like the idea of a working dog, but you don't. I'm tell I'm telling you, you don't need one or you don't want one. There's actually very few people in the world whom a working dog, the investment of the time, not just fiscally, not just money, but money, time, frustration, effort, blood, sweat, and tears, all of that. There's a very few people who, who need that, right? Um, hold on a second. I'm going to take my hoodie off. It's getting hot as shit in here. Hold on. All right, I'm back. Okay, so just to give you a little background on me, I, I've i had shepherds, German shepherds my entire life, which that is not a, uh, a testament of anything. That's just, it's just where my love for a breed of dog that is used in, in work and working dogs, I, I was familiar with and, and have had my entire life. I've always had an affinity for herders and, and shepherds in particular, um, my affinity for them in getting super involved with working dogs has declined some, and I'll get into that a little bit later as well. But anyway, um, I got my love for them in the Air Force when I was in. The mystique of the military working dog, which knowing what I know now, the majority of military working dogs that are working today, other than in tier one units, I mean, they're I uh, put it this way, I would never select them myself for work or, or really anything. There if you know what if you know how procurement goes in the military with say weapons, uh we'll say we'll say since we'll say sniper rifles. If you understand how um procurement works, it works the same way with working dogs, but much worse. Okay. Um, it's, it definitely is not, they're not chosen via quality. They're chosen in quantity. And then the air force tried to do their own breeding program down at Lackland air force base. And the washout rate was ridiculous. And, and I'm glad that I'm glad the washout rate was high because that can mean two things. It can mean the, standard of which the dogs are expected to meet are, are very high, which that would be a good thing. Or the washout rate is really high because, well, their breeding is shit and nothing is hitting even a low standard. Um, it's kind of right there in the middle, but either way, it's really not a success down there with the, uh, the air force working dog breeding program. Um, but anyway, so that's where I got, and then it wasn't, it, when it was time, like, I, we, we wanted to get a, you know, as an adult, you know, me and my wife, we wanted to get our, wanted to get a you know, bigger dog, you know, um, and uh, it wasn't that I felt the need for a protection dog. It was, I wanted to get into the actual training of and the work of it, right? So, I wanted to get into it, 
not like I said, not out of a necessity as much as it was more like a journey. Like I wanted to, I wanted to be the trainer. I wanted to learn to train the dogs, not just mine, but other dogs. So obviously I got to have my own to work with and, and all that stuff. So I, you know, before I got mine, I, I trained dogs. I was learning to train dogs and decoy, which if you don't, if you're not familiar, the decoy is the guy getting bit in doing bite work. Uh, the guy in the suit or helper, which is in Schutzen or IPO, they're, they're you know, considered a, oh, it's called a helper. Just so you know, the guy holding the leash is just a dummy. The decoy is the actual person training the dog doing the biting. So the decoy does certain things to get certain reactions out of dogs and then marks the behavior they want in doing bite work with by giving them a bite. That's the reward. That would be like an obedience where we're doing, we're using food as a treat. Boom, they do what you want them to do. Boom, you pay them with the treat, right? Well, in bite work, you pay them with a bite because if the dog is worth their salt, that's what they're there to do. That's what they want to do. That's the highest reward is the bite. That's higher than any food. It's any higher than any ball. It's the bite. That is the, that's pussy to them. That's what they want is, is they want the bite. Okay. So, um, that, that I learned, was starting to learn that. And then I, I got my dog, uh, up in Slovakia, up in the mountains. Um, and you know, he was my first, you know, true working dog. And then boom, it went from there and I've had multiple ones since then. Um, and it is, uh, it is, it's been a journey and, and it just sucks that my back has kind of shit the bed like it has. Cause it has really put a damper on my ability to work dogs. But, um, I mean, I'm to a point where I, I have spinal stenosis uh, so I've had scoliosis my whole life. I'm six foot. I'd be six two if I didn't have scoliosis. And thank God I'm not six two. Is freaking long and lanky and skinny as build I am at six foot. I can imagine how retarded I would look at six two. Um, but uh, yeah, I can bend over. Oh, and premature spinal degeneration between uh, L5 and S1. Uh, I've d- not done myself any favors in the back department. I can bend over and pick up a pencil wrong, and my back is out for you know, a couple of days, uh, you know, or I could go lift weights and be fine. It's just, it just, um, it's the wrong movement and the wrong amount of weight pulling me the wrong way. Well, I'm used to working big, you know, band dogs as well. And Kane Corsos and Pressas. I mean, these are dogs that weigh almost as much as me and they are naturally pullers. Meaning when they're on the bite, they're not pushing forward. They're pulling down. They're trying to pull their prey down. And I'm having to stand up, fight them standing up. So, you know, it's, and they're made of muscle. And so it's, it's, uh, it's a, a big fight and it's the worst is on your back. And so I, I kind of, I even sold my bite suit. I kind of, it's like, you know what? I'm tired of, of, of getting hurt and staying hurt out the work. And this is just as diminishing returns as much as I love it. Um, I'm still in, in, touch with the working dog world very much so with my club in Maryland and um you know I always know what's going on um so anyway um but I back to what we're talking about I did not need a working dog if I didn't have the desire to to learn 
the training of the dogs, if I didn't have the desire to put in that blood, sweat, and tears, when I mean blood, sweat, and in tears of frustration, um, I mean it literal, all of it. If I wasn't willing to do all that to get my dog to a certain level, to take the pride in doing it myself with the obedience and the control and, you know, if I wasn't willing to, didn't have the, the desire to make myself a better dog trainer, then I would have been absolutely miserable with my dogs that I've had because they suck as pets. <laughs> I mean, there's just, there's no other way really to put it. They're fucking, they fucking suck. They are so drivey all the time. They are retarded. They just go kirk out over a ball. They're drive. They're, they're pouring with drive. Um, they tear shit up. They scare the shit out of everyone, like people who you don't want to scare the shit out of. Um, they are some of them, not mine, but some of them are liabilities. Um, and uh, they are just like I said, destructive. They are just constantly go, 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 go. They don't know chill. That that's the average. Okay. That's the that's the general rule. Of course there's exceptions. Um there are dogs, uh, working dogs that kind of have that off button. And that's what most of us want. What most of us want ideally, we want the dog that is a robot. You turn them on when you're ready for them to turn on. You turn them off when you're ready for them to turn off. Like be a an old hound dog when I want you to be, and then you know be a monster when I want you to be. The problem is they're not fucking robots. Okay, these are they are alive. They are conscious. They are self aware. They are needy as fuck. Like I, I equate them to to children a lot because you almost have to attend to them. Almost as much as children, and they—they're—they're uh, they're not a real pleasure. The you know when they become a pleasure, it's when they're old. Okay, <laughs> I mean like major seven. And if I didn't tell you that, and you were here with him, meeting him for the first time, you would swear he was two, just from his drive and demeanor and everything. You know, he acts like a crazy ass puppy. Um, he acts more like a Malinois than a, than he does a German Shepherd. Um, he's just tenacious and relentless and just in your face. Like I want to like we're sitting on me and my wife are sitting on the swing on our front porch, uh, having a glass of wine or beer, and I've got him out because hey, let him join the family or whatever. He's got his fucking ball. He's literally has it in his mouth. He's like digging into my crotch with the ball, wanting me to take it, to throw it, to do this. It, there's never like a where he just lays down and just goes to sleep beside you, you know, like Bosco, my pit bull. That's exactly what he is. That's all he is. He does nothing. His idea of work and exercise is going outside to use the bathroom. He is a piece of he's a, a furniture ornament, which is. He is the best dog on the planet. I don't care who you are. I don't care what dog you got. It is not better than my man Bosco. He is the best. 
Okay. I wish Major could take a page out of his book and just chill the fuck out some. But, you know, a tired dog is a good dog. Okay. These dogs need so much work. Like, they need a job. I'm really doing Major a disservice because I'm not working him all the time. It's been over two years since he's had a bite, like a real bite. Like I've put the sleeve on or had a pillow and just, just for his sake, um, done it. And it's all play and stuff like that. But as far as really putting him in a hard situation to make him really work, it's been, been a couple of years. Um, but, uh, my dec- local decoy here moved away. Um, he moved up to Virginia. Um, but anyway, you know, these dogs are, they, they need a job because if they don't have a job and if they're not tired, they are hell. They will either bug the shit out of you or they will literally destroy your house. Destroy. I mean, I can't tell you how many crates I've gone through where they've just, dogs have just chewed through them and gone, you know, just out of boredom. Um, there's a thing to think about. Now, as far as the protection side of it, when someone says they need a working dog, most of the time, most of the time, what they, what they, and you ask them, well, why do you feel you need a working dog? You know, well, I kind of live in a bad neighborhood or neighborhood's going downhill or, um, you know, my wife just would feel safer with, you know, a big dog that would protect her. And, um, I mean, what are some of the other ones? Uh, I don't know. Sometimes they think it's cool. Well, they may not say that, but a lot of times I think it is what that is. They just think it's cool. Show their buddies, hey, look at this. Um, But very, very rarely does someone give me a reason where I'm like, "Ah, that makes sense. Yeah, actually, you probably, you could benefit from working dog, from a, a protection dog. Okay. Now, what I tell them is you just need a dog. That will alert you. Right? You know what the best dogs do that? The little yappy pieces of shit. Little fucking Shih Tzus or Chihuahuas or whatever. Little little running mops. You know, little tiny dogs. They're the most yappiest fuckers. And a lot of them, man, if, if they even... If they even hear something like three miles away, they're barking, which will drive you crazy. But hey, in the middle of the night when everything's quiet and then you hear at two o'clock in the morning, they're, you know, that's what you're going to, you're going to wake the fuck up. What the hell is that? You know, and that'll alert you. Um, a, it's very rare that someone legitimately needs the actual dog to Bite someone because I'm going to tell you right now, the day that that happens, things change. It's literally a, a lot of this parallels with like a concealed carry pistol. You know, the difference is, is that 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 gun, that concealed carry pistol does not have a mind of its own. It won't all of a sudden one day jump out of your holster and shoot your neighbor or shoot your neighbor's kid. It has to have you. It has to have or somebody to pull the trigger. That's what I like in as close to that as you can get, I should say, in a working dog. My dog 
is really like that. I mean, he's he's a really social dog. He's not mean, and and, and mean dogs are or we don't like mean dogs. People think like, oh, you want a mean, nasty dog? No, I don't, because ninety nine percent of the time that meanness comes out of fear, and I want my dogs to be fearless of everything. I want them to be hundred percent fearless. I want to if if he bites, it's because I told him to. He's like a weapon. If I have him with me, I could, I mean, and he doesn't take it personal. He's not angry. I can, at, at whomever he's about to bite, I mean, literally, I, I can turn him on to a road cone. I can put a road cone out in the middle of a sidewalk and turn him onto it and tell him to go bite that road cone. And you would think that road cone smacked his mama, but he's having fun. It's fun to him. Or I can have a, a person in shorts and a t-shirt whom I don't know and do the same thing and he goes to tearing their ass to pieces. And even then he's not angry. His tail's wagging. He's just jumping to get the, the chance because that's fun to him. That's playing ball to him. That's how I much mean, he loves playing ball too. But I mean, he that's another form of playing ball to him. It's fun. It's a reward if he gets to bite. Now, a dog, if I was walking, say, another dog as a protection dog, and anybody who would come close to me, if he were to, like, who's that? I do not want that dog at all. Now, I'm going to caveat that with there is a place for that dog, but it is so rare that I don't ever suggest that dog. I suggest that dog when there is an area that needs to be protected that is 100% anyone other than the owner or handler of that dog is in there. They are 100% there to be bit, meaning that it's okay if they get bit. Your house is not that. You have neighbors. You have family that comes over. You have friends, you have uh, the meter guy, the guy who comes read your water meter or your um, electricity meter. You've got um, solicitors, um, which, yeah, sometimes I wish you know they'd get bit. But you've got, uh, those are the best lawsuits against you. Oh, a solicitor come up to go say some, you know, fucking Mary Kay makeup and they get bit. Oh, brother, you're going down, son. That's period. They're going to take your fucking house. If not bare, bare minimum, they're going to take your dog's life because that dog's going to get put down um, after quarantine and court cases and everything. And then, you know, you're going to get sued. So these are all situations to where you've got to keep that in mind. Um, and, even, and even in your house, accidents happen. You know, somebody, a family member who has a key to your house knocks on your door. And, hey, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm here. Hello. And they come in. All the roof and they're fucked. Um, you don't want that. That's horrible. You, you don't want that on yourself. You definitely want it for them, but you don't want it on yourself because I'm telling you, I've been there with dogs from when I was a kid. My brother that lives much, much older, lives out of town. He got 13 stitches in his arm from one of my shepherds. Um, back when I was like 
you know, 15, 16, 17 years old. Um, my aunt, she had 36 stitches in her arm. She was elder, elderly. I mean, she got fucked up. We felt horrible. Um, that she was a liability. Now we didn't know any better, and she was a liability. Uh, anybody who came across her underground fence line was fucked. Period. I mean, she, I, she bit over eight to nine people. I can't remember. I lost count. And countless other people that she chased out of the yard, like the meter guy. Um, and it, it's that is that's a scary situation when someone gets bit by your dog. I'm telling you, you get fucking shook and more so when you're old enough to understand the possible repercussions of that happening it's it's fucking scary and you you don't want that and it's like i said it is such a time and investment because that it, they're not machines back to that they're not robots okay so Let's say you're, you, you're going to go get a working dog. So you go to somewhere that sells, you know, working dog. Don't go to somebody who does the AKC papers and, uh, you know, red and black shepherds, their show line shit. Stay the fuck away from them. They got more health problems than anything. You know, you want to find an actual working dog trainer slash breeder slash broker. And then even then you got to be careful you deal with, because remember back what I said, that it is a fucking dirty world. Um, if I tell you what, if you're listening to this and you are, you are going to get a working dog, no matter what I say before you do, please message me. And I will tell you when you tell me what state you're in and I will tell you somebody as close to you as possible to go to. There's a good chance. I know somebody. Um, but anyway, um, Shit, where's I getting at? Okay, yeah, you're going to get one. Okay, just so you know, the most economical way to go about it is to get a puppy. Now, here's the problem with puppies is if you know what you're looking at and you're wanting a good working dog, which the good chance is the majority of people listening to this don't, but it's really you have to either A, have such good intuition in selection of puppies to know of traits to see at eight weeks old to to have a even there's no exact way or science but some people are much better than others you know mike bullock who taught me almost everything i know is one of the most like yoda sees to the future shit when it comes to looking at puppies like he knows he's I've I've been we've worked puppies before and I said, Oh my god, this dog is shit. He said, Nope. He said, You wait. He said, You keep working on that that puppy's grip development and everything. He said, I promise you, that dog, he's gonna end up being a good dog. I said, Mike, I'll I'm I'm gonna put a hundred dollars on this. This dog, we're I'm gonna run this dog when it gets to be an adult. Nope, no, you're not. It's gonna be a good dog. I said, Okay, all right. The dog ended up being a a great dog, like a really solid German Shepherd. Whom I thought like he like turned the corner and I was like, oh my God, he, Mike is, Mike is right. Well, was right. That This is, he's actually a pretty damn good dog. He surprised me. Mike is, just, and I'm good at it. And that's the thing. I'm, I'm good, but he is great at it. Um, but you got to think of it this way. I know the majority of the people here are wanting to get a, a member of the family. Like this dog's gonna be a member of the family. Okay. Well, 
you be honest with yourself then. If you get this puppy and it's all fun and games, they're eight weeks old, they're cute little puppy dogs and, you know, they do puppy things and they're so, so sweet and they get, you know, three months old and you really start to really love this puppy. Well, if it doesn't drive you absolutely fucking crazy, you know, you start to really love this dog and, um, and then at, let's say a year old, you want to start maybe doing some, some protection training with this dog. Cause that's what the purpose of the dog was. Right. And then you got a decoy who does something very little. Now, mind you, we as decoys try to do everything that is appropriate for the dog's age. So I'm not going to do something to a, a 11 month old dog that I would might would do testing a three year old dog. Now, some 11-month-old dogs will take everything and then some of what you would give to a three-year-old dog. Because that's how strong a genetic bred working dog they are. They're really good. And you have to remember this, too. 90% of the shit that these dogs do is genetic as far as what makes them up and whom they are. It's very little training. The training is how they how they do it. Um, the, the way Mike always said to me, and made so much sense is you have to have to the clay to make the pot. If you don't have good clay, you're not making a pot. It's going to fall apart. So we need good clay and genetics is how you get that good clay. And then everything else is just uh, repetition in, in training and repetition. But, you know, how are you going to feel if the dog you've had for a year, 12 months that you've loved and your kids love, and then, bam, that dog shits the bed. Like, that dog really wouldn't bite a ham sandwich. Are you going to have the wherewithal to say, okay, I need we need to replace this dog. Like, we need, we need to rehome this dog to someone who's maybe not looking for a protection dog that's just wanting a companion. Um, and, you know, we're going to go on to the next. Because I've done that many times. <laughs> like, I have washed out. I, at this juncture... When I get a dog, puppy or adult, I look for reasons to get rid of them. Meaning, I'm what I am looking everything. I have washed a puppy. She was, I believe, at the time, 13, 14 weeks old because uh, she bit like a crocodile and she was a nasty little bitch, a uh, little duchy. Um, she would draw blood on your ass quick. And I've got video. If I'm finding it, I might post it in re uh, in the uh, Just Evan Send It um, Facebook group and in reference to this podcast episode. Um, but she was a fucking nasty little bitch, right? And she loved the bite. She had all the drives that you could ask for. It was crazy. Um, she, I thought that she was the fucking one. And then one day we were in the garage and... Uh, and mind you, food drive is a huge thing as well. We want dogs that will literally do anything for food, food, ball, bite. Those are the three things that we want a dog to go crazy for, right? Food being one of them, because we use that as a tool to teach. And when, you know, let's say we use major, for example, if he's, if you're feeding him and he's got his head in his bowl, a nuclear bomb could go off and he's not pulling his head out of that bowl. You know, that's he's eating because it's his it's his thing. He loves to eat. Right. Well, she was eating in the garage and uh, my wife's car was in the garage and I was getting something out of it. And she was probably 
10, 15 feet away from me. I opened up the door, found what I needed in the cup holder, and just shut the door. When it, the door went poof, it just shut. I was happened to be turning my head and was looking right at her when the door shut, not even not even meaning to. I looked at her and she boom stopped. And it kind of scrunched down a little bit like, what was that? And then she slowly put her head back in the bowl and started eating. And I said, huh. Well, I'm going to explore this shit. So when she was eating, I put a little more food in her bowl. And I had uh, two crates. I had one uh, stacked on top of another. And I was about maybe six, seven feet away from her, kind of behind her. And I picked the top crate up a little bit, like just kind of maybe an inch off of the, the bottom crate. And then kind of like, kind of not slam it down, but I let it drop, which it wasn't even loud. And she, boom, about jumped out of her skin and turned around and looked at me and was like, what the fuck was that? And I was like, huh, how about that? So I then go get my agitation whip. Now, before everybody gets freaked out, these whips, is they crack really loud. That's The crack is what we use them for. We use the crack to mark a behavior. People, people misuse the fucking agitation whips so much. So in bite work, when the dog is showing me a behavior that I want, that it's good, I crack, 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 because it gets them psyched up more. They like that, right? So that's like a, I'll crack the whip and then give them the bite if that's what I want to do. But it's not a, a thing to, to beat them with. You know, we do hit the dogs, so... You know, don't get it twisted. We're testing. We'll go and we'll tan their legs and shit with it. But it's only about maybe uh, two and a half, three foot long, like the actual shank of it, the handle, the the body, the shaft of the whip. And then it's got about the same length or a hair bit longer uh, whip on it. Leather whip. Then it's got what's called a popper, which is um, a cotton string that's got three knots tied into it. Um, and when that, when you crack that thing, it sounds like, you know, so like a really loud, like someone clapping their hands, but really loud, high pitch crack. So I went and got that and I stood outside of the garage. The garage was open. So now I'm actually 20 feet away from her and she's not paying me no mind more. I waited until she's back focusing on her food and I cracked that whip one time and she, shit a brick she went boom away from that bowl and went underneath my wife's car and laid there i said you just wrote your fucking ticket out of here you bitch and within a week she was out of my house and some people like well you don't know you don't base off that let me tell you something i know where that dog is today and that dog is exactly what I thought she was. In fact, I even gave her a second chance. I even got her in drive doing bite work. So I had a bite pillow and I had her back tied and she was doing boom, kirking out, wanting that, wanting that pillow pulling, just bouncing off the end of that, uh, back tie that, uh, basically she's tied to a post with a leash. So she's bouncing off of the end where, you know, it can't, where she can't go for any further. And I had that whip and I cracked it one time tail went right between her legs and she backed up away from me and kind of turned her body away from me. I said, yep, that is 100% affirmed. I promise you today she is the same fucking dog. 
because I know where she is. She's had her name. Her name was Boondock. Um, I, I love that name. I thought her name was Kickass. Um, and uh, and her her name is Scarlet now or something like that. And she is every bit of what I thought she would be. So that's the point. Are you willing to a pay two thousand dollars for a puppy or more, depending on who gets it, where it's from, how it's bred, whatever? You're willing to pay two thousand dollars for that puppy, live with it for however long, and then come face to face with a decision of is this the dog for me? Is this dog good enough to do what I purchased him or her to do? Because if you're not, then why are, why are you even going that route? Right? You're gonna put your lot. You're, you're gonna you're gonna have this dog that a is probably gonna be paying the ass anyway, and then not even have to pay off for it. Meaning a dog that will protect you. Because let me tell you something. Everybody who says, "Oh, my dog is very protected," my non-working dog people like that just have a shepherd or a Doberman or a, a, a Rottweiler or a pit bull or you name it, Great Pyrenees, a Rhodesian Ridgeback, whatever. All of these dogs, labs, all of them, they all say, man, someone comes near my wife, my dog always, or, or someone comes near messes with my kids, my dog is always, you know, he's very protective over him. Now, your dog, you think your dog's protective over you, but let someone who don't give a shit about your dog come after your family, come after your wife, come into your home, and I promise you, that dog is going to shit and get. It's going to be gone. How do I know that? Because I have shown this and proved this time and time again i've had people where they said their dog would protect and and i would say okay well i'm going to hurt your feelings here because i'm going to show you that your dog won't and i would go in their house and make their i would run their dog from one room to the other until i opened the door the back door of their house and ran them into the backyard i shut the door now i can steal anything in your house i have done that many a times I've also had dogs where I've had to do that. One sh- short story, me and my wife riding bicycles uh, down our old road we used to live down. My wife is, believe it or not, my wife is terrified of big dogs. Not mine, but other dogs that she doesn't know. And there was a trailer, a mobile home we were passing, who had, uh, it was about 70 yards off the road. It had a big, deep front yard. Had a pit bull. We're on bicycles. She's in front of me, and I'm behind I'm behind her, and the dog just starts charging, comes from out underneath the little front little fucking deck or whatever, front porch, and is just hauling ass straight toward us, barking. And Courtney loses her fucking shit. I said, Courtney, just keep on going. And I jumped off that bike and ran straight towards that dog. And just said, come here, you motherfucker. And I had my hands out like I was going to grab him. That dog turned around so fast, his fucking neck almost broke. And he was barking as he was running as fast as he could back to his house. He turned around and turned his head, bark at me as he's running the opposite direction. Right. That's this was a seventy plus pound pit bull. Okay. It's a lot of these dogs. Most dogs are going to sell wolf tickets, and that's it. That's all they're going to do. Very few are willing to do it. And even if some of them are willing to put teeth on you. It's the front of their mouth. It's frontal. It's get away from me. Most time it'll be your feet, your hands, uh, your thighs, your knees, your shins. They'll they want they want to bite you because they want you to go away. 
but they want to do it as far away from your face and the core of your body as possible, it's very rare the dogs will just jump up and grab your arm. Now that's the inside bicep, the forearm, the tricep, the armpit, the pec, pectoral area. That's where we teach targeting. And we teach targeting legs too, because if I've got a trash can lid in front of me and you can't get those places, you better find something to bite. And my legs are right there. So we teach that as well. But if these dogs that aren't trained, that aren't working dogs, even if they are willing to put teeth on you, it ain't the back of their mouth or like their molars back there where they do the most damage or they'll just crunch down and actually grab a hold of something. No, they'll get you with the front of their mouth, the front teeth in their canines. They want to bite and back off or chatter what we call piano. And they'll just go all the way down something or all the way down your arm and down your fingertips. That's what they want to do. And they, they'll let go and they want you to go away. They'll just go away. You know, most time that they'll growl, all that stuff. And then they'll, they'll just nip. Okay. If, if that nipping don't make me go away, what are you going to do? They're going to tuck tail and they're going to go the other way. That is 99% of dogs in America in people's homes. I don't give a fuck what breed it is. You think you got the biggest, baddest Roddy? I promise you it probably isn't. Um, it, you think you oh well you know the the Doberman is the only breed of dog that was ever designed and created strictly for protection. Yes, and back then they were good. Now it's hard pressed for me to find. I think in the nine years I've been doing this, I think I've seen maybe two or three Dobermans in the world, meaning in America, in Europe, where they're you know, working dogs are super prevalent. Um, I've seen maybe, maybe three and maybe just a hair few more Rottweilers. Uh, a buddy of mine down in South Carolina, he's, he's the guy that I'd go to if I wanted a, a working Rottweiler. Um, most of the ones that bite people are biting out of fear. They find you like, you're not scared of anything. No, if they find you as a threat, 99% of the time it is because they're fearful. Now, if they bite you, that means they're brave enough. They have the nerve enough to stay, stand there in front of you for at least a little bit. But as soon as you bite me and then I grab a hold of your ear and twist it backwards, or I grab your two front feet, or if I go and I put my finger down the back of your throat behind your canines, because you are, uh, bite me with the front of your mouth. And then after that doesn't work and I'm still coming at you and you go the other way, then you're not, that dog isn't there for the fight. And that is what most people, now back to what the original question was. Do you need a working dog? Okay. A lot of these dogs, here's the, the nuts and bolts of it. What the, what I've just explained to you is coming from an experienced dog trainer, an experienced decoy. So if I'm breaking into your house, if, if you're not there and it's just me and a mutt, me and a dog, then you're probably not in your, you're probably, your stuff's probably not safe. If you're there, you're probably going to shoot me. That's good. But 99.9999% of people who would, who are, would be home intruders are not dog trainers. They don't want to get bit. They're scared of dogs. They don't want to get, they don't get fucked up. 
They don't want to leave DNA at the at the scene of a crime they just broke into. Have their blood. You know, you come home and your windows broke or your doors kicked in, and you know there's there's possibly blood in your in your house that isn't yours or isn't the dogs. Well, there's only one person it could be. It would be the guy that kicked your fucking door in, right? So they're not going to want to do that. So a little dog would alert you when you're there. No one's scared of a little dog. They're scared of what a little dog can do, which is tell you that someone's there. Most people are scared of big dogs because they're not going to want to take a chance. They don't know if that dog... If he would not be able to bust a grape biting or if that dog is fucking Cujo. They don't know and they're not gamblers. They're not going to, well, hell, they're gambling going to anybody's house. But they don't want to bet their literal ass on whether that dog is going to bite them or not. Right? Like a, a lab that barks is a deterrent. Okay? A, a sweet hunting dog that just loves to go swim and go go pick up ducks if that dog barks that doesn't a, a deterrent because all dogs have teeth that's what i tell everybody does that dog bite does he got teeth yeah well he could bite then right i'm talking about any dogs so uh and then then on top of that you get some fucking scary breed you know you get a pit bull in there or you get a a rottweiler in there or you go get a a uh, big old St. Bernard or something like that, then yeah, they're really not going to test that because there's a big scary dogs to the, you know, uninformed. You know, you get a German Shepherd in the house. I'm like, oh man, shit, that's a fucking police dog. And they don't want to get bit. Problem solved. You know, the best, the best break-in is the one that never happens, right? So that is really what, 99% of people can be, uh, you know, what they can use, what, what would be best for them in their, in their situations. Um, uh, for, I don't know if he's mad about me bringing this up, but Theus, a uh, good friend of mine, Theus, if you're on Sniperside, you know exactly who he is. Um, he contacted me on Sniperside a few months ago and was wanting a dog and now theus is has experience with working dogs he has knowledge of working dogs he has handled them in the past um he i believe he handled him for work for certain government work he used to do let's put it that way um and he called me and said he basically for his shop right uh hoplite arms he said, I need a dog that can do this, this, and this. If this, if anybody other than myself is comes in that door, they need to die because they are there for ill purposes. And I'd like to show up the next morning to a corpse. I said, okay, I can help that. I can help you now. You understand the difference in his situation and in, in the situation that the dog would be in as opposed to what everybody, all the other threads that people started, right? They want one for their house, for their home, for their family, which is all noble and everything. And I agree. I mean, it's, it feels good. Believe me, my wife feels amazing when I'm not here and knowing that 
the dog outside. Now, remember I told you about Major, he's that kind of pistol that, you know, needs to be a trigger pulled on him. He's that way, except at night. He hears a mouse piss on a cotton ball. He's looking for blood. Um, he's He can hear a gnat fart from a dead sleep, and he's at going trying to find wherever the source of noise is. I would not want to come to my house at nighttime and him not know it was me. Um, you know, I wouldn't want to walk up to my house at night. Um, but she feels great. I understand that. Um, but his situation is there isn't a possibility of an accident to happen. If, if anything were, if anybody were to get bit, they needed to get bit. Okay. You're possibilities there of accidents and liabilities are all but gone. Now, mind you, if, you know, Buster Brown comes in through your window and you get, he gets bit by your dog. He can still to into 2020. He can still fucking sue you. And a lot of times would win depending on whatever state you're in. Um, the same way as you shooting them and their families sue you civilly and you lose your home because some piece of shit's parents saw a, a you know an opportunity to capitalize when their piece of fucking shit son decided to try to rob you and possibly hurt your family. You know that that happens, and that will happen when someone gets bit as well. But you know when it's in a situation like you know Theus is, you know he can. He can handle himself, and and the dog would be. I mean, like I said, he could probably still get sued, but I, he knows that. He knows that the possibility of him getting sued is outweighed by the importance of people staying out of his facility. And that's fine if you, that's your situation. By all means, I will find you an absolute fucking killer. You're gonna pay out of your ass for him, but it will happen. Now, back to what I talked about as far as the maintenance of the dogs. These dogs are, they need jobs. They're living, breathing, needy fuckers. Uh, more so with working dogs than none. Um, but the training that goes into these dogs is not free. So here are your options. You get a puppy. And then you can do puppy work um, and, and start building the foundation at eight weeks old. We are giving bites to puppies on 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 tugs, rags, uh, washcloths, you know, stuff like that. Things that they can bite and grip on. Um, you know, we're starting them at that age, eight weeks old, tiny little things. Um, and then we are working them all the way, typically until they are a finished dog, and then even then need maintenance training. Right? Um, they are they are high maintenance individuals. So that dog is going to need your attention and and training for years and years. So this isn't uh, if that's if that's the route you go, or another route you go is you get a green dog, which a green dog is typically from between ten months and two years old that doesn't know anything or much as far as work. Okay, so we like, we just training police dogs. You know, we're always looking to buy green dogs. We're looking for that, you know, 10 to a year and a half old dog. And by the time the dog is two, 
you know, has pretty much has the idea and can go on the street with a, with a, um, with a handler in a police department. Um, that's what we're looking for. You can do that too. You can get a green dog. You can get a green dog and then the training starts. This dog needs to a know who you are, like just learn you. You need to learn him because there may be things that you just don't do with this dog because this dog will let you know he's not a big fan of it. Okay. Um, I have been bit more times than most people. Um, I have the scars to prove it. Um, and it's a lot of times from hard ass alpha male personality dogs that I did something they didn't like and they let me know. Now, what you do after that is what determines how your relationship continues. Um, I'm not going to details of some things that you know, we've had to do to break dogs of certain things because I don't know who the hell's listening to this podcast right now. Um, but, uh, some things may be looked at questionably from the uninitiated, from the ignorant. Um, the same people who complain about police dogs getting, you know, choked off of a bite when that's complete 100% standard operation, operate procedures. Uh, but that's a route you can go. Or, now mind you, the first two routes, the puppy, the green dog, and the training throughout both of those two time frames with between, you know, eight weeks old, which you don't have to now. You can let a puppy be a puppy. If the puppy, if the dog is going to be what he's going to be, if he's, you know, what you'd want, he doesn't need a bite until he's an adult to then be able to, I've seen dogs that have lived in a, a woman's house. The two of the hardest biting shepherds I have ever seen in my life, Beatty and Bono brothers. Um, I still have a scar from Beatty. Um, they were the hardest biting herders I have ever worked in my life. I dreaded working them. They were amazing dogs. Oh my God, the pressure that they would put on your body in a grip was mind numbing. Um, and I, like one of the bites, one I'm talking about in particular was right above the back of my knee behind that sweet meat back there, my hamstring and my whole leg, probably from the back of my knee, halfway up my thigh looked like someone beat me with a bat after that one grip right there. Um, anyway, those two dogs were found in an old lady's backyard. She had had them both. The old, I mean, this is an old lady. She ain't doing no work. She's had them since she was a puppy. The broker who in Europe that we got them from found them from at her house. He bought them from her, sold them to us, and they are the two of the baddest motherfuckers I have that on the planet. Period. I challenge you to find me a harder dog, and these guys have got it. These guys have got it. They are amazing dogs. And um, anyway, they didn't have a grip until they were two years old when we got them, really. Oh, well, the broker, he tested them, obviously, before we sent them to us. But um, yeah, the, the before them, he just teased them. They had it. It's genetic. Genetics don't go away. That's what I'm trying to tell everybody. This is like 95% of a dog is genetics. 5% of its training. Um, so 
that that's an, a route. Both of those two routes are expensive. A green dog is going to be run you anywhere between four to six thousand um, dollars. The dog don't know shit. Six thousand dollars probably. Okay, puppy. Depending on the breed, who you get it from, where you get it from, anywhere from fifteen hundred to three thousand dollars a puppy. Okay, and you, like I said, the odds of that dog washing out, the younger it is, the greater it is, honestly. Um, that's if you're willing to do it. Okay, then your training. Now, that is completely up to whoever it is that's doing the training. I suggest you to go to somebody, you know, that knows what the fuck they're doing. Um, and I, I hope you would. And isn't someone I rip you off. But training is expensive. It is not cheap. Okay. My training was free for my dog because I was also, I was trading work. So they were, they were doing the bite work on my dog. I was learning to decoy on all the dogs in the damn kennel that are, you know, and then from police departments all over the damn country. Um, so it was like, Hey, my dog's getting work so that I, and I will work there. And that's where I started kind of working there that way. And then I started getting paid, um, when my dog was finished. But anyway, um, but then your other option, your third option. Now, this is the safest option and the easiest option. This is the most expensive option is to buy a fully trained, finished protection dog. Now, depending on where you go, what the dog is, what the dog can do. It's almost like packages. Like we can train this dog to do all of these things or all of these things. And the price goes up varying depending on what it is. Okay. I'm going to tell you a little story. Um, I'm sure you've all heard of the, remember the book and the movie, the notebook. Okay. Nicholas Sparks. He's the author and the author of the book. He lives in New Bern, North Carolina. He lives 40 minutes from here, okay? Now, I've never met him. I've never met him. But his equivalent of Alfred in Batman, right? Bruce Wayne's Batman's, like, butler. He's not a butler. Uh, Gerald is not a butler, but he was his guy that would just, if he needed him to go get his laundry or his dry cleaning, he'd do it. If he needed him to take the kids out skiing, on the you know behind pull him on the boat uh if he needed him to go get his oil changed in his cars that's what he that's, that's what gerald did well nicholas had an affinity for working dogs he went to i'm not gonna say the kennel's name like i said i don't know who's listening but a kennel up north okay um they have a video that's got like a couple million views of um uh, a malinois with his handler in an alley with two guys that come out. And of course this is all stage. This is just a demo for the, for their business. Um, and they're wearing hidden sleeves and the dog, you know, does all this fancy, uh, fancy obedience and, and shit. Really the dog was a Mondio ring dog. Oh no, excuse me. He was a French ring dog. Um, and was a competition dog and everything they did in the video was part of a French ring routine. Now, the average person watching that doesn't know that. 
everything that they did in the video, guy jumping out of a dumpster and then what the dog was doing, uh, everything the dog did is what the dog would do on a competition field. So it wasn't this weird stuff. It's what thousands upon thousands of people train their dogs to do that compete in Mondio and French Ring, right? So, uh, but it was, it's very impressive. It's very impressive. So he used that as a demo dog. That's his, that's the owner's, I almost said his name. Uh, that's the owner's personal dog. Okay. So it's the whole bait and switch. You can't have this one, but you can have this one. Now you can do the same things when really he can't. Okay. But to the people who don't know any better, they spend a lot of money with him. Okay. He's that executive protection type dog, uh, executive protection dog salesman, broker, trainer, all this stuff. Okay. Um, well, Nicholas, I, I don't know if he saw the video or someone referred him to this, um, kennel up North. Uh, but Nicholas doesn't know anything about working dogs. He just knows he's got the money to buy what he wants. And he helped. Now he actually has a, a legit need. And I'll get to an example uh, here in a little bit of why. But um, anyway, he went and bought five dogs. Not one, not two, not three, not four. Five working dogs. Finished working dogs. Level, yeah, they got like levels, like level one, level two, level three dogs or whatever. And of course, the higher the level, the more expensive they are, the way they price it and everything. These are all level three dogs. They're all varying I kid you not, every one of them, the cheapest of the five was 25 grand up to 50 grand. So you're, I don't even, you know, I don't know what each one costs to give you a grand total, but over a couple hundred thousand dollars in dogs. Okay. The man's got the money to do it. That's who this kennel and kennels like this kennel. No, they're not all snake oil, snake oil salesmen, but they all know that there are people out there in the world with that kind of resources that have the need and want of this type of dog that they can charge these obscene numbers for. They 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 can do it and they'll sell dogs and they'll make a living doing it. Um, it's just who's got the shinier mouse trap is really what it comes to. Um, but anyway, so he bought you know five working dogs. Well, um. Nicholas was out in, I think he was doing some book signing down in Louisiana. Um, his property is on the river, the Noose River in New Bern, but he's got a gigantic yard with a like a seven or eight foot tall brick fence, solid fence to go around his entire property, like kind of like a compound or whatever. Well, so he was out of town, but the kids and the wife were home. Gerald was home and some crazy motherfucker jumped over the fence and the gardeners were there and they're like, ho, ho, what are you doing? Like, well, you can't be here. He says, I got some, I got some business to take care of with this motherfucker up here, like pointing at the house. Like he's got some shit to take up, take up with uh, Nicholas for some reason. And Gerald hears the commotion. They're all hollering, telling him to leave. They're just the gardeners though. They don't want to do anything. Gerald sees what's going on. Gerald's like, oh, okay. Opens up the door and sends the dogs, like gives them whatever command that they had, I don't I think it was in Czech. No, it was in German. Okay. So like, I know like five different languages and working dog commands. Um, but he sends it out, gives him the bike command, go kill this motherfucker. Basically those dogs run out. Rawr, 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 rawr. 
The guy continues walking straight towards him. All five of those dogs stop when they get to him and just start barking in circles around him. So they, they're, they're, they're barking around him. That's it. The guy keeps walking. Gerald's like, oh my God. Goes and gets a, his gun and then basically holds the guy at gunpoint. The guy gets on the ground. He calls the cops until the cops get there. And I, I don't really know what come out of that because it was none of my business. And it was kind of like a hush-hush thing. But here I am talking about it six years later on a podcast. But um, anyway, uh, he... Nicholas was not very happy when he found out that his dogs didn't kill this dude. So he sent Gerald to eat. Well, first find the nearest trainer you can. Well, we are the nearest ones to him, given that we are 45 minutes away. So they wanted us to find out what's wrong with these dogs that I just paid 200 some thousand dollars for. Okay. Now, mind, we never met Nicholas. I think Mike talked to him once or twice on the phone. We dealt with Gerald. So Gerald's telling us all things. Gerald's as nice a guy as he can be. So individually, one by one, we test these dogs. Okay, one of them I made, what we did is we back tied them, left them alone by themselves. And then I came out of nowhere, slow and creepy from a distance. It was like kind of like walking like I was stalking them out. This is what we do in part of our testing just to get their reaction. Are they even curious? Are they aloof? Are they suspicious? Are they scared? Are they, do they light up? Do they, do they sense, you know, there's something wrong with that and they're going to, they're going to show us accordingly. Someone would bark and you know, whatever, like, okay, like I'm seeing what I want from, from here. Mind you, I'm 50 yards away from them, if not further. And I just get closer, closer. I'll stop and turn and face them and kind of square up my body and then when they start barking, I'll kind of turn and, and, and keep it moving, keep walking. And I'll just slowly kind of zigzag to get close to them. When I got to about 10 feet, now mind you, I know where their end of their leash is. So I'm not obviously going, I'm not wearing any protective gear. I have a hoodie on pulled over my head. Okay. They can't see my face. And I get, I get from about 10, 15 feet from them. And I just charge them with my hand up. One of them immediately tucked his tail, went as close to the tree as he possibly could and just took a loose shit. Literally, like, he pissed out of his ass and then laid down in it. Okay? That session was over with. Put him up. Spray him down with water hose first. Put him up. Get the next one out. All of them were in one degree or another doing the same thing. They were all, we ran them all. They could not get uh, away from us fast enough. One of them like kind of wrapped himself room, room, around the tree with the leash to where he was like literally like stuck up to the tree. Like he just, I'm like, well, Mike said, Gerald, you need to tell Mr. Spark that he just paid 200 some thousand dollars for a bunch of shit. Because I wouldn't feed a single one of these motherfuckers. So he's like, all right, well, I won't. Well, he's like, well, I'll talk to him, but he's not going to be very happy about it. Well, of course, when we got a phone call from Gerald, he was right. Nicholas was not very happy. He says, these dogs are 25, 50 grand a piece. He could not understand that the, the amount of money paid did not equate to quality. It's. That's what it was, though. These dogs were garbage. 
and he ended up buying a dog from us that was not garbage. A little 58-pound pocket rocket named Robin that um, was a, he was on a police department, but then started doing some funky shit on tracking. He was he was crittering off too much on tracking, and they also said they wanted a bigger dog, but the dog himself was a great dog. Well, it for a person protection dog, he there is no tracking involved. So he is a man stopper though. He would literally full tilt 28 mile an hour hit you like a 58 pound bag of shit at 28 mile an hour and put you on your ass. Um, cool ass dog. One of my favorite dogs I ever got to work out there. He was fun. Um, and he was a, and Nicholas was all about it. Wanted video of him and wanted us to hit so he could share with his friends. Said, Look what my dog here can do. And he didn't pay anywhere close to 25 to 50 grand for that dog. So, but that is an option. There are people out there that will sell you these executive protection dogs that they actually are good dogs. And a buddy of mine, Evan Carroll is one of them. He lives in the Charlotte area. He went with me on my last Europe trip uh, and bought one or two. I think he bought two dogs. Um, and he does executive protection stuff and does very, very well. He's a very good decoy, very good obedience trainer. And the obedience training is super important with these type of dogs because that is your control over them. Um, there's just a whole lot to think about and to consider. It is a lifelong, the life of that dog, a lifelong decision when buying one of these dogs. Because these dogs can either save your life or they can cost you everything or make you want to kill the dog and just be miserable. That's, you know, best bad case scenario. Um, but, you know, then what are you going to do with that dog if you decide you don't want it anymore or you can't handle that dog? Hey, that's another thing. You can get a dog that is a great working dog that you literally cannot handle. What do you do with it then? I mean, there's an option. You, know, you can go maybe see if a local police department, I'm sure they would be a, they would appreciate the donation of a dog. Um, and even if the dog didn't cut out to be uh, police service dog material, I'm sure one of the officers there would love to take them, you know, or even one of the canine handlers or something like that. That's a good option, uh, assuming that there's a, a department near you that is, even considering uh, adding another dog to their department. Um, we did that with a German Shepherd that I had when I was a kid, Max. Um, and uh, he was a working dog, uh, police working dog up in uh, Virginia. So that is, uh, th that's just literally the tip of the iceberg of things to consider and think about. When, Deciding on getting a working dog or just getting a dog. Because I'm going to tell, I, I've told people online on Sniper's Hide when they, when they send me private messages. I'll say, this is going to sound like I'm talking you out of getting a protection dog. Because I am. I am trying to talk you out of getting a protection dog. Because I don't think that you're in a situation to need one. Um, and that this is me. This is the most honest 
opinion you will get from anyone in the working dog community simply because I'm not making a penny and nor want a penny off of you. Because a lot of these people will sell you on everyone needs a working dog or a protection dog. Like there's no better security, you know, bottom line, if I wanted to, if I was worried about your dog biting me in the middle of the night, I would just crush a light bulb up in some hamburger and throw it over the fence. If you didn't teach a food refusal, then that dog is going to eat that hamburger and all that crushed fine glass is going to go cut everything on the way down. And then you've got a dead dog or at least an incapacitated dog to where he's not going to bother me. You know, I mean, that's that's the that's why in APPDA and in KMPV in PSA, these are all sports. Mondio ring, French ring. I don't think IPO does a food refusal. They may. But all of these different sports, that's why they all have, at least at one level or another, they have a food refusal. Because of that very thing. If the food does not come from someone in the family, then they don't eat it. And that is a, that is a very, very hard thing to teach and then proof on a dog. That's where a lot of amazing working dogs fail like competition dogs dogs that will do amazing things things that you wouldn't believe they could do that's where they fail is food refusal because they're what i tell you earlier we look for food drive high food drive dogs because we use it as a tool so we'll take hot dogs well which is a very uh, very common um treat that we use we'll just buy they're hot they're cheap go buy the cheapest pack multiple packs of hot dogs break them in little uh little bites bite size um, pieces and then boom they're easy they 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 don't even chew them they inhale them and then but boom they love it and you just pay them and feed them fast and then boom boom keep it going that's what we use in sport when we're doing uh the food refusal portion of the uh of the evolution a lot of dogs fail and if you if you don't do that then who's to say that I can't kill your dog to where he's it quietly to where he's no longer a threat to me. So then now you've got a $10,000 dog that you've got years in training and that you've come to love that is now dead for, and, and, and did nothing. Like I'll be honest, major does not have a food refusal. I never put a food refusal on him because honestly I was too impatient in training it. His food drive is so high, it would be, I mean, it would take me a year to get him, just working on food refusal, to get him to be a proof. Not where I couldn't get him to where you'd come up here and throw hot dogs at him that he wouldn't eat it, but to where I know it is bulletproof, to where under no circumstances he's going to eat anything given to him. But uh, the crushed light bulb in the hamburger trick is, I mean, it isn't a secret, and it works. If you don't believe me, just go get some hamburger and toss it to a fucking dog. They're not going to taste that light bulb. They're not even going to taste the hamburger. They're going <gasps> to inhale that shit, and it's gone. And then guess what? As soon as it goes down the gullet, it is cutting everything to shit. So that's, I mean, that's just one little scenario that, you know, someone could cook up to incapacitate your dog. So... Ask yourself if you're if you've been thinking about it. Ask yourself if you're okay. Now, mind you, everything like I mentioned, everything that I've said is just the tip of the iceberg. 
of what it takes to to buy, to train, maintain, and live with a working dog. They are not fun. That major, my working dog does not come in my house. In fact, he has never stepped foot past my mud room in my new house. Uh, he just—he's too fucking hairy. He's crazy. He's not house trained. He is—I would never trust him in my house with me not here. He's—I uh, I would come home to thousands of dollars in damage if I left him in my house. Now. There are caveats to all this. A buddy of mine, his dog Brutus that he had. Now, mind you, Brutus died of a tragic accident. And got He started, uh, I think he smelled something dead. They live out in the country. He smelled something dead down the road and went to go investigate and probably eat it. Some roadkill and became roadkill himself. And that was one of the most complete protection dogs, meaning he was, when in the house, he was 100% furniture ornament. He would chill, hang out. You could, the kids could be running around crazy, and he would just be laying there, would kind of lift his eyeball up and go back to sleep, chill. But at nighttime, he was on alert in the house. If we would go, we tested him. We, you know, we told Kevin, the owner, we told him, hey, we're coming over. We'd just, you know, tap, 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 tap on his window. Brutus would come to that window and meet us with fucking fury. And then he bit well. He he had great nerve. He was the, the, the most well-rounded, like, home residential protection dog I have ever seen. Um, I'm not saying he was the best working dog I've ever seen, but of all the best working dogs that I know, if I wanted a dog in my house... He would have been V1 that I wanted. That's how good he was. But out of the thousands of working dogs that I have seen in my life, he's the only one like that. That's that way. And I'm not saying there's not more out there. I'm just saying that that's how few there they are. Uh, Malinois, well, I'm not even going to get on the Malinois. I'm sure you all know the differences in Malinois and other dogs, they that's for them, it's a whole nother fucking episode. I've had three or four of those, and um, they are great working dogs. They are drivey as all get out, the willingness to learn. They're neurotic. Major is like a Malinois. He is more like a Malinois than he is a shepherd. Um, and if that tells you anything of what you learned about my dog to what to expect from a Malinois, you know, that's, that's it. Um, but that's for a whole nother episode. We're about an early over an hour and a half into this one. Uh, if you got any questions, um, feel free to, uh, to ask me, uh, on the subject. Um, if you're, if you're debating on getting one, I'm, like I said, I'm probably going to try my best to talk you out of it. Uh, I want to know your situation. I want to know your family situation. I want to know your home insurance situation. I want to know your your home layout, your neighborhood, your proximity to other people, the you, what you do for a living, how much time you are willing to put into this dog. I'm going to ask a whole bunch of questions before I say, yep, I'm going to help you out. Here's the place you go. I, mean, I can maybe even help you find a dog. Um, and I ain't going to charge you shit. If I do that, but I'm definitely not going to charge you for my advice of 
just go get you a, a lab. Go get go get you a, a cool dog to play with that has got a loud bark. Because 99% of the time, that were a little example of that. CL, my shooting buddy, he has a great name named Willie Nelson. When I pull up to CL's house and just shut my door to my truck outside, it sounds like there is a fucking bear in that apartment. A bear that barks. But as soon as I walk in the house, Willie Nelson, boom, right up the stairs. Okay. Willie Nelson, they got him as a rescue. He is scared of people, like especially men, but even some women. I have just now, as long as I've known CL, as many times I've been in CL's house, I'm just now getting Willie to come down halfway down the stairs for me to rub his head. And then he goes back upstairs. Like he is terrified of men. But when you shut that door outside in your truck and before you get to his house, if I was planning on robbing CL, not knowing whose house that was and didn't know anything, I'm not going in that house. That dog sounds like a fucking monster. And oh, believe me, all the neighborhood kids know not to go near that house. They don't know Willie Nelson. They just know they hear that fucking bark when they're outside playing in the street in front of their house. Uh, and Willie, he- Willie Nelson hears them. And uh, I'm sure CL's listening to this. Well, we'll be listening to this. He's going to be laughing his ass off. But Willie Nelson is a cool dog. He's just had a rough life until him and, his, and until CL and, and his wife got him. And they've you know given him nothing but love. And, you know, he's got a good life now. But he had a rough beginning. Uh, they don't know all the ins and outs. But it is very apparent that he has some traumatic history, um, you know, before before meeting them. So but that's an example. That I mean, how effective is that? The 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 home invasion that never happened, right? That's what you want. You don't want someone to break in your house and your dog bite them and have to defend your house. No, you want the motherfucker to never even break in your house. So there, boom, problem solved. So I mean, you better be li- living in fucking Compton, you know, and have had multiple break-ins. For me to be like, yeah, dog, you really need one. Like you, you need you need to get you one, and I'm gonna help you out. You know, uh, and most people listening to this aren't in that situation. Um, but all right, um, uh, any more announcements? Oh, um, okay, Jack Master, shout out to him on uh, Sniper's Hide. Uh, Jeff, I think is his name. Um, he was actually a guest on the Everyday Sniper a while back with the uh, what was it? The Wind Formula, the Wind Rose, um, the improved Wind Rose thing. Uh, I actually have a copy of it uh, printed out. Looking at it right now, it's on my wall in my reloading room. Uh, I look at it for a reference. Uh, he messaged me uh, to give me some feedback and great feedback, and he gave me a, a broke down in in Jackmaster fashion. You know how he just breaks down everything. He's like a fucking guru when it comes to breaking down and analyzing everything. Gave me a complete breakdown of things that I that he would like to hear and that he thinks that other people would like to hear from me on this podcast. And I'm pretty sure I'm gonna do an entire uh, podcast episode dedicated to his questions and obviously. Precision rifle related, um, and some really good stuff, and some some things that maybe I didn't even think about. 
bringing up and and things I think you, that would help you guys. And I'm going to be excited about doing that. Uh, I'll probably do that next week, maybe. Uh, also touching on uh, a little bit more of the gear talk um, that I didn't finish. You know, we'll go into bipods and scope rings, stuff like that. You know, all the things, bags, which I, cut, I did bags already, but, um, you know, just different different things like that. Ballistic programs, all that stuff. All the gear that we all need and use, and I'll, I'll give you my um, two cents on, on the ones that I've had experience with or know um, a lot about. So um, uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to do it all in one or if I'm going to do uh, break them up, but I know I'm going to do at least cover all the questions that um, that he had asked me uh, in that message on Sniper's Hide. But he, he seems to be really enjoying it, and I hope you guys are too. The more feedback I get, the better I feel about doing it, and um, and the more I'll, I'll I'll pour into it. So. Um, also had a, uh, message, um, and, uh, from a, a hide member, um, the other day and I, I know his real name, but I'm trying to remember what his, uh, screen name was on snipers hide and it was water Walker. Uh, I'm not going to say his name. Um, but, uh, anyway, he has a, he had a dog question with his dog, some behavioral stuff that he wanted my opinions on and stuff like that. And it didn't turn into a two hour plus conversation. Um, just, we talked anything from dogs to training to, uh, uh, precision rifle training, pistol training, um, to different, uh, the action internationals. And I think I've talked him into maybe getting one cause he's been thinking about it. Um, it was a great conversation and, and it was, you know, really good feedback about the podcast from him. And I really appreciated that phone call. I really did. And, um, I, I hope if you're listening to this, uh, I hope, um, I helped you. I hope you're working on the things that we talked about with your dog in the situation that you're in. And I'm more than happy to help. And I, I want you to Call me back whenever you're getting some progress on it, whether either progress or lack thereof, and we'll go at it a different route. Um, but I think I think what we talked about will do you well. Um, anyway, guys, I appreciate it. This one's a little bit shorter than the uh, last one, and um, I hope you enjoyed it. I know some of you guys have been wanting more dog-related stuff, and here you got an hour, 40 minutes of it. So cool. Well, until next time, guys. Um, uh, one thing I do want to add, uh, just keep my dad in your thoughts. Um, my, my mom had to call. In fact, she just called me a little bit ago and I'm gonna get back to her. My mom had to call 911 earlier today. Um, he's got heart, uh, complications and he's had constant, I mean, probably once every six months, his diverticulitis, he was having stomach pains. And then when she got home, he said he was having chest pains, pretty bad chest pains. So she called 911. And when she you know, got to the hospital with them, with him, uh, they wouldn't let her in. They told her to wait in the parking lot. She didn't know anything else. And so said it was no point in me even coming because I couldn't go in and see him because of this coronavirus shit. But uh, just keep him in your thoughts. And, um, you know, I'll keep everybody updated if y'all give a shit. So anyway, talk at y'all next time, guys. Thanks.